I want to know your thoughts on it, but it is also basically a request for people <laughs> who write profiles of public figures of any kind. What is the fucking deal with the food descriptions? <laughs> Dude, it always starts with the most boring fucking oh, description of a salad or a meal. Really, I, yeah, I think it is just like a grounding and like the physical because it's so easy to think of like a celebrity as someone who's maybe like held aloft from that kind of stuff. It's to like, you know, zoom in on stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think about when you think about this person and their like celebrity image. It's like, well, what's behind that like veneer? So yeah, I, I guess like humanizing for sure. But but it, it fe- like, I don't know. I can't stand it, dude. Please spread <laughs> the word. Like, let the, let cut it your out. fucking colleagues know that we're watching. That at least one of us is watching. Uh, yeah, because yeah. it feels like when someone you're like reading dialogue, and instead of just like said, 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 so, exclaimed, <laughs> shouted, it's like, yeah. dog, you don't need to do this. I know yeah. that you're. E- I know you had to meet this person. Just tell me what they think about. <laughs> fucking whatever you're asking them about i don't know it just drives me insane yeah um, i think it, it is probably a crutch maybe it's like just such a, a trope at this point that people don't even think about it they're like well i read this other profile that does this so i think it. so and well and because it's also has the effect of so i can see it humanizing the subject but it also elevates the writer to <laughs> describe whatever fucking restaurant they're at or like hotel lobby they're in as if it's like it feels like product placement sometimes to be like in the in the fucking oak stained lobby of the ace hotel right it's like oh rihanna stays at the ace hotel wow amazing these tools are for you to use Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I am Dave Marr. I'm a comedian based in Chicago. I survived a coma seven years ago, and now I'm asking questions of people like my guest, Sasha Geffen. Sasha Geffen is a music writer, hosts a new-ish podcast called Shattering Gleam, which is based on his book, Glitter Up the Dark, How Pop Music Broke the Binary. Sasha is a trans dude, and his podcast has just goes deep on both the technical aspects of music as well as symbolic and meaning aspects. And I find that a lot of music criticism doesn't do both at the same time, at least in a way that resonates with me. And I would know. Uh, my first my first full-time job out of college was for Pitchfork. So, you know, no big deal. But I, I would know that. But I am, I, I genuinely do love music criticism, and I'm very excited to have Sasha on the show. Before we dive into this conversation, I will say that I'm an independent artist. Word of mouth is the only way that I'm able to afford the time it takes to make this show. So if you would like to support me, you can do so in a couple of easy ways. You can subscribe to the show. You can take 30 seconds to write a review in your app. Or best yet, you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Sign up, give me a few bucks a month, 
and it helps genuinely immensely. I want to thank my Pigeon Level subscribers, Fred Fidua, Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, and Kurt Chang. And now I just want to present to you this great conversation I had with Sasha Geffen. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like it's mine. What do you hope happens when you die? I feel like I would like there to be some relief from individuality. Like maybe I'm still attached to consciousness as like kind of like a pinpoint of like awareness, but I can kind of like ease out of all the particularities of like me as an individual. Like maybe it's something like my memories, my personality, like everything that is like kind of makes up like a person I can like kind of go back into or like, like flex, like a muscle flexing sometimes if I feel like it. But when I don't feel like it, I can like kind of let that go and maybe rejoin, I don't know, the collective consciousness or or God or whatever, like whatever you want to call it. Um, Just the amalgamation of like all things that have consciousness that yeah. kind of permeates the universe, like just kind of get to be more diffuse and less uh, constrained to individuality. I think. Is that, I had, I had another question, but, but it like totally escaped my mind as it occurred to me and tell me if I'm like projecting or like reducing but that feels like a trans narrative. Maybe. Is it? I think it's linked. I think okay. like, it's like, like for me, definitely like transness and being connected to other people is linked and maybe like spirituality or like being connected to something like greater than yourself. It's like kind of, um, I don't know. It's like a pinhole that you go through. Cause I, I feel like transition can be like very individuating and like very personal and like right. you know, condensed in that way. But then you kind of go through it and on like the other side of that pinhole, it's like way easier to connect and like fan out to like the world at large. You kind of, there is like a little bit of relief, I think from like having to be, a specific type of person with like a specific narrative. Right. I would imagine it's like a letting go of certain identities, like certain types of identity. Yeah. And then depending on which way you go, either overly clinging to other aspects of identity or, and it sounds like this is in your work and your life, the thing you're super invested in is the like transcendence of you're not just trying to go from one, like, yeah, breaking the binary. Like you're not trying to go from one binary to another binary. It's like, it's not like square peg round hole. It's like, this is goo. There there are no holes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Am I right? Or like, I don't mean, like, I know I'm like, 
cis white guy like for like projecting here i get it's a bad look but i'm trying to like no no no. i appreciate to to feel it out like i don't know yeah Yeah. i appreciate your like curiosity about it because i mean we all do gender right like cis people also sure yeah so it's like not something that trans people have like exclusive hold over um but yeah i think i think that's that's accurate it's interesting though because i think when I was like a lot younger, I was kind of attached to this image or feeling of like wanting to be disembodied and like not wanting to have a body and like transcending gender by just becoming like vapor basically, or like becoming like ghostly. And now I feel like I'm a lot more invested in kind of like how that transformation can happen on like a somatic level, like through the body, not like apart from it or away from it. What things make that happen for you somatically i feel i mean like like learning how to like exercise is like big one it's maybe like kind of a basic thing but just like no moving, sure moving my body in a way that's like intentional and connected i was like a really i was kind of like a, a sickly kid and was not ever like good at sports or like being wait with like something specific um when i was really young i had like really huge adenoids in my head um so i couldn't breathe through my nose so i just like couldn't like run really well um it's just kind of like it it wasn't like adenoids are like a sinus thing yeah kind of they just i don't know i don't know they're so, yeah, somewhere in there, in the same same general okay. region. I know they they took them out when I was like seven. They do it through like forceps, just like going up your going up your mouth. I think basically they just kind of tug them out. Um, what the? F- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like those like tonsils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like kind of. Fuck. Yeah, it was weird. Okay. It was weird. Um, <laughs> Like, Sorry, uh, continue. I no, didn't want to like let that slip by though. Yeah, they just yank some fucking shit out your nose. Yeah, well, yeah. I was I was under anesthesia, so I wasn't there. I wasn't awake. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Sure, they, they comped sure, me sure. out, and then like yeah, it, but they didn't have to like cut anything. It's just like through the through the mouth, right? Like, yank Whoa. them, har- harvest the uh, the adenoids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, but it just like yeah, that and like the recovery from that surgery just like me things like running swimming like normal kid stuff um a little bit harder I was also like always small for my age which like made things difficult in like competitive sports or team sports I don't know like all the shit that they make kids do like (laughs) very very young um so I think I just like identified away from my body for a really long time like Mm -hmm. high school I think that's like part of why I went to like theater it was like I don't have to really be embodied for this in the same way, or it's not like strenuous or like a show of like, which is funny. <laughs> Cause like good theater is like one of the most embodied things. Totally. Yeah. Well, I did it badly. I think is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Cause it is, it is. I think like good acting, it's like, you really do have to like know your body and be able to like use your right. body in specific ways. And like, that's something that I can like understand a lot better now. Um, but at the time, it was just like, well, the kids like aren't good at sports. Just get on this. Just go get on the stage. Go like paint these sets. Like you'll be fine. Yeah, I re- the the thing that kind of slipped through my mind was this distinction between identity and consciousness. Because for me, that's the big scary thing. Is like the 
it, I find zero comfort in people going, well, you won't know that you're dead. I'm like, nah, not good enough. That doesn't yeah, help me at all. Totally. Um, but the idea of like preserving some consciousness separate from memories and personality and identity is I'm very fascinated by that. Yeah. I think I am imagining it kind of like, kind of dreamlike, you know, when you're like, sometimes when you're dreaming, you're not really sure that you're yourself or like when you're like just waking up mm-hmm. those like first moments of like consciousness, maybe, maybe not when you're like waking up to your alarm and you like, I got to go to work and stuff. But like right, right. when you've like slept really long and it's like all really peaceful and then you're like kind of like slowly waking up and that like moment before all the kind of like higher level software like loads and you're just kind of like you have this like awareness of like being a body right and like being Mm -hmm. in the world physically but like all the all the details don't really kind of matter at that point yeah i don't know yeah but i don't know i don't know if that's possible i mean i think there's like some philosophies and schools of thought that say it like very much is and that like consciousness is just like all around and you know it's not it's not that they're like individual consciousness consciousnesses in like different bodies and they're all separate from each other and like once you die they just like extinguish you know there's a lot of right it's like the ocean and you're the wave yeah or like the bubble and then you like rejoin and and i find that comforting and i i think like i don't know there's like when I feel very connected to other people, I kind of like feel that a little bit. And and sometimes that's in like musical settings, like at shows, like shows where everyone is like really plugged in and like really invested mm-hmm. in like what's going on. And like the artist is clearly like very responsive to what's going on in the crowd. It kind of, it kind of feels like there's a little bit of a blurring of the edges between people there. It's so wild to think of that as like, a performer's craft because it's not, it's it's not a thing you can really plan to be like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to dissolve the boundaries between consciousnesses. You know? <laughs> totally. totally. But like if, if you're doing it well, you do it. You can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, you can't, just jump to that. Right. You can't just like do that on, on right, purpose. Right. It's like, it takes a lot of like, perceiving I think and like being present with like the people who are in the room with you and like I think even if you do your best not every crowd is gonna get there necessarily like sometimes you're just in the wrong wrong space or you know booked on the on a festival where no one really knows what your deal is (laughs) (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen artists struggle with that um for sure and I think that's just part of being a performer, really any kind of artist is like, sometimes you just aren't matched well with your audience. But, but when you are matched well, when you're all kind of like in sync in that way, it can just open up a lot, I think. Hey, it's Dave. I'm not talking to the guest right now. I just want to let you know, I intentionally construct these episodes to allow my guests to speak as much as possible. But if you enjoy the perspective of mine that does come through, in this podcast, and you want to hear more from me, please subscribe to my weekly newsletter. It's called Hella Immaculate. There is a link in the show notes that you can click 
and sign up right away. You can also go to my website, thisisdavemar.com. What you'll get is every week an essay from me and basically a mood board of links, sometimes mutual aid fundraisers and music that I recommend. It's like we're in a conversation and hopefully I'm sharing cool stuff with you. I'm either your cool friend or your slightly anxious friend, probably both. Anyway, if you like hearing from me and you want to hear more, subscribe to Hello Immaculate. Thanks. And now back to the conversation. Well, you've heard the show. So the thing I'm presenting you with is the relive one memory. Yeah. The idea that in the afterlife, all your memories are intact, but you're given the chance to choose just one that you can fully drop down into and relive to the fullest extent whenever you want. If you had to choose one, what would it be? So when I drop down in, am I kind of like exactly as I was in the memory? Like, or do this I is bring... where I'm not legalistic about it. It's <laughs> what, are, what are the it's, rules? It, the rules. It's, yeah, it's a hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. So whatever you need okay. to answer the question, it's up to you. Okay. Cool. Because I feel like if I could like, drop down into a memory, but kind of have more, be more how I am now or more, more of how I want to be in the future. I might choose um, seeing Sophie perform in LA, Um, like performing songs from her album for the first time live, that kind of like debut before the album was announced, like before a lot of these songs came out, um, there was this full kind of show to debut them. Um, when would that, this have been? This was October 2017. So a little okay. over four years ago. And the album is like, like it's okay to cry on the album. Yeah, right? that's the it's that, opener. Does she just have the one album? Yeah. Yeah, okay. she, um, she okay. put out a singles compilation. Uh, a couple years before that. Sure. Okay. But, so it's yeah. before the album comes out. It's in LA. Are you living in LA at the time? No, I've just moved to Denver like a couple months ago, maybe four months okay. ago. Okay. But I get flown out to profile her, to interview her. Um, mm. for, okay. Yeah. Um, for Vulture. And I was actually, I was supposed to, see the show before I talked with her, but it got canceled or postponed last minute. Cause there was some issue with the venue, some like legal issue issue. It's like part of this like Red Bull music Academy month long festival, like LA takeover okay. kind of thing. And they were going to have it in one, one venue and it didn't work out legally. So they had to postpone it by like a week, I think. Um, so I ended up interviewing her like a week before that. And then a week later I get to go see the show and like actually like see some of what like we were talking about. Um, and it, I think it was on Halloween. I think it was the 31st. Um, and wow. that's cool. It was, it was super cool. Um, is this the show that like, I've seen the clips on Twitter of like, there's these like big columns of light that are like flashing while the bass is like pounding really intensely. Maybe I'm describing yeah. every Sophie show. I have no idea, but it was, yeah, it was sorry. My, my dog is jingling. I apologize. No, <laughs> love, um, love a dog jingle. 
Yeah, it was like really intense bass, like big, big subwoofer, like started with the song Whole New World, Pretend World. So there's just that, like, that, you know, there's like two openers and then like all the lights go down and, you know, everyone gets super excited. um, And then like the, that beat comes in. It's not actually a beat made out of drums at all. There's no drum sounds in that beat it's just like bass basically and right, then right. there are these like pitch shifted vocals that are like kind of pitched down um, whole new world like that. yeah exactly yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. okay and so it's just that and like the the words whole new world kind of like flash on the screen in the sophie font um and then she and like her two dancers collaborators like come on and are like dancing and lip syncing to it and it's just like this full kind of like sound overload like just feels like the whole room is like vibrating with it and was the interview particularly lengthy or unique or intimate it was yeah it was long um we had dinner in los police i think um at this like italian restaurant and talked for maybe like 90 minutes like on on the tape like during dinner and then like went out and you know I kind of like expected her to go home like to wrap up but we just kind of like stood on the sidewalk and just talked for another like half an hour and a half like two hours so just like off the record like not being recorded like I think some of it made it into the piece I ended up writing just because I remembered it but it was like Mm -hmm. totally like informal just like I don't know, just got to be curious about each other in this way that felt really genuine and like raw and, and wonderful. Like she was like a person who I think was very genuinely curious about like just about everybody, you know, just like wanted to know what people were like, what made them tick, what they cared about, like how they moved through the world. But like, everybody basically that she came in contact with. Um, And so we just, we got to talk about music and like culture and and all, all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't know. Um, I kind of wish I had recorded it a little bit, you know, I wish that I had, I had more of that, that night. Um, But that was, I mean, I think it was like my favorite favorite interview I've done for sure. Um, so did it prep the show for you where you felt like you had a deeper connection to her as a performer where you're like, oh, in some way my, I don't know if it's friend, but like new acquaintance or, or this, per, you know, oh, this is we had this moment on the sidewalk and now I'm getting to see her like in her element or something like that. Yeah, I think so. I think it probably would have felt different. Um, if, if we hadn't had that connection, like that opportunity to, to connect for a little bit. Yeah. Um, it was, it wasn't my first time seeing her. Um, you are very itchy. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's all good. (laughs) Um, but it was like the first performance that she did, I think like after kind of coming out and after starting to use like she, her pronouns in public. Mm-hmm. 
so there was that element. And I think like previous, I'd seen her twice before and she kind of had a tendency to like hang in the background a little bit or like not have like lights right on her, just kind of like have it be more like about the sound and about like the projections, like was like, you know, very much like present and like dancing and like connected. But this was like the first show where it was like more of a stage performance, which was cool. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess like getting to speak with her in person and like get to know her a little bit, like as a person, not just like as a performer and as a musician, probably added a new dimension to it, I think a little bit. Cause she was someone who had been like pretty opaque as an artist up to that mm-hmm. point, really kind of let the, the work speak for itself a lot of the time. Um, and we, we didn't talk a ton about the music in the interview just because I think she wanted to sure. kind of like save that first impression um, and not, not talk about stuff that I hadn't heard or like hadn't seen. Right. Um, so I right, did kind of right. get to go in like cold a little bit, which was awesome. Cool. That is cool. Yeah. How does being a different version of yourself factor into this? I was like pre medical transition at that point. Um, okay. So I had been kind of open about like being non-binary or being trans, but all of the kind of physical feedback stuff hadn't happened yet. So I didn't really have that connection to my body that I have mm-hmm. now. And I just like, it would be really cool to get to dive into that memory like more fully realized or like more fully connected in that way to get to experience like being in that crowd um, without so much of a sense of alienation from my body. I think I might've experienced it as more of like a social moment. Like maybe I would have like talked to people in the crowd or like danced more or just like been kind of more in it than I was like, it was, still you know really overwhelming and and intense and like reconfigured some things for me I think for sure but I would love to try it again knowing what I do now or like feeling the way I do now yeah what did it reconfigure I think just like maybe it's like the whole album cycle kind of beginning with that show like made me feel a little bit more concretely that like transitioning was possible Mm -hmm. um it's like i don't know i think i asked my therapist about hormones like five days after the album came out or something which wow. was not a connection I made at the time. I didn't think like, well, this album exists, so I'm going to go like get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in retrospect, like looking at it, it's like that all kind of happened at once. And I think like maybe I saw reflected in, in her some of the own like trepidation I felt in myself or maybe some of the own like my, my own like delaying tactics that I had been using um to Mm. to put off some of those choices where you know there were a lot of like stories I told myself about like 
well, I don't need to do this to be trans or I can, you know, find like less quote unquote dramatic ways to like become myself that don't involve like medicalization or I can just be like androgynous, but like keep my body the way it is. Um, and I think those only kind of held up for, for so long and just like getting to see someone in performance kind of come into maybe a new understanding of embodiment or a new way of relating to physicality in that way. Like stop, stop hiding behind like the, the shadows there and like come out and like get to perform much more viscerally and and much more dynamically kind of post-transition. I think that was powerful for me. Well, and it's not even like a metaphor, really. It's just like a one-to-one comparison of like, she went through this process. This show could not be a more, you know, stepping into the literal spotlight, more of a, it sounds like coming out, you know, the coming out narrative is like perfectly mapped onto the show. Yeah. And yeah, it's not like you're struggling with like an adjacent thing to this. You're like, yeah, it's literally like exactly the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. And she was like around the same age, kind of like she, I think she was like four years older than me. So I think when she started transitioning, she was like the same age that I was when I ultimately mm. ended up transitioning ish. Um, Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if it was like exactly one-to-one, but it was like the kind of thing where like, I definitely, there was a part of me that felt like I I, I was too old by that point. I was 29 oh, when I got wow. on hormones and I was kind of like, well, if I was going to do it, I would have done this like in my early twenties or like sure, sure, sure. whatever. Um, and yeah, getting, getting to see an artist that you already care about a lot and whose music you've already connected with, like be like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to do it. Um, yeah. And like, you know, even after she had already kind of established this career and, you know, had already been putting out music to like make that shift kind of in the middle, like regardless of any, any reservations that may have delayed things for her. Like that was really cool. It is so wild because it's so, you just made it so vivid for me. What a risk that was and is for artists because when an artist has transitioned in the sense that a transition like, you know, ends, which I know is a faulty sort of way of thinking about it, but like now it's just like, Oh, Sophie, this trans woman, this, you know, like this successful, and this is part of the narrative, but like going through it, there are real stakes for her that, she could lose everything. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's hard to do in any situation. I think it's like being in the public eye to whatever degree kind of carries its own difficulties too. For sure. Well, and to go back to you being a different version of yourself at this show, it sounds like it was an especially physical show. Yeah. So how much better, in addition to the <clears throat> social aspects of it, 
like how much better it would be to like feel connected to your body in the midst of this show that is connecting people to their bodies through the vibrations in the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, yeah, it would it would be very cool to kind of like superimpose those two points in my life, I think, or those two experiences. So I want to ask, what's your coma? I having listened to the show, you know a little bit about my shit. Uh, having been in a coma and, and you're, but there's all these moments where you're one person before and one person after, um, or something sheds. And I don't want to even assume it's like, like there's a very (laughs) obvious transition. (laughs) And it, and it could be that, but it can be, you know, free your mind, like allow it to be anything. What would you say is one of these moments for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, transition is definitely like the big one in sure. sense. Sure. <laughs> but like, I mean, like, not even just like it's kind of a little bit more uh, like broadcast. You know, it's like something you mm-hmm. kind of have to like tell people about and be like, "Hey, like, I right. need to use like different words for me now." Like, that's such a clear shift in, in a lot of ways. Um, but it's also just like not one thing. It's like this kind of series of things that happens um and is like ongoing so there's like a couple of them kind of like nested within that that big like what i mean like starting hormones not like honestly not even like the i kind of started twice in a in a way because Mm. the first time i did it like when I finally like went in and like, you know, went into the doctor who like one of the doctors who does it here in Denver. Um, and it's like a kind of a lucky place to do it. Cause there's a lot of doctors who do like informed consent. Like you don't need like a letter or like, I don't know, all these kind of hoops to, to jump through. Um, it's just kind of like, you feel like you want this great. Like, here you go. Wow. Um, but I started on, um, the transdermal gel. So it's like goop that you like rub into your skin and was kind of like on like I like started like very very slowly. I was like just dipping my my toe in, like you know I'll do like a quarter dose or an eighth of a dose or do a dose like every other day or whatever. <laughs> You're like uh, microdosing tea. Yeah, yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> um, like was just very very wary. Like oh my god, I'm gonna do this and I'm just gonna like yeah. wake up completely. And of course, it's like a slow process. It's puberty, right? It's like a puberty right, that you control. Right. You can kind of like turn on and off um, if you feel like it. So I. I started on that, did it very slowly, like would go off when I like travel. Cause it's like a big, like messy bottle. Mm-hmm, I couldn't really like mm-hmm. fit it in my like TSA approved like Ziploc. Um, so like when I would like travel, I just, w- I would stop. Um, and so I kind of did that for a year, just this like spotty, like very light, like waiting in, coming out, waiting in. Um, and then a year after that, I like went for my, my one year, uh, check up basically with the the hormone doc and I was like so this is kind of inconvenient it's also really expensive the gel um, yeah. and the if you do the the shots it's a lot cheaper so I was like show me how to put this in my body with needles and mm-hmm. and they did and that felt like 
a sea change more than the first year of trying it. Like all of a sudden my body was like, yes, like finally. This, sure. This, sure, like, sure. This You're like teasing hormone. it. Yeah. 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 This like sex hormone that um, I guess like some part of my brain or whatever, some part of my biology or not, it just felt great. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there was yeah, something yeah, that was yeah. like finally satisfied. I don't like know the mechanisms of, of all this yeah. stuff and I don't think it matters. Um, but I just like, there was this like kind of calm, this like ocean of calm just like opened up and it was like, all right, (laughs) this is it. Like, this is how it's supposed to feel to like be alive and to be a person. Um, and is it like a, is it's like a, like, do you think if I like isolated you at any point, you're like 22 or 14 or whatever, that I would see a more like fidgety, nervous you and not like, do you think it's visible or does it feel that visceral, at least from the inside to you? I think you could see it. I think it was probably like pretty obvious in some ways to most people that knew me that like something was off, something was wrong there. Yeah. Um, like it kind of started with like, my first puberty when I was like 11, 12, where I was like a pretty outgoing kid. I think like by nature, I just like kind of popped out like pretty, pretty social, pretty outgoing. And then around the time of like seventh grade, and this is probably like a pretty common experience for a lot of people, but something just like shut down for me where I was just like, I don't know how to talk to people. I do not know how to socialize like things that seem to come fluidly to other people when it comes to like relating to each other, just like do not seem to be there for me, I'm just kind of like frozen and terrified and uh, not really sure what's going on. Um, and some of that is just like, I don't know, going to a new school and like puberty is like stressful, I think, for most sure. people. Um, but it definitely seemed like very pronounced and, you know, there was no, I, I think I had inklings of like what it was. Like I was definitely like on message boards at the time kind of like looking right. stuff up. It's like, oh, like transsexuality exists. That's how interesting, you know? Like, yeah. Because what era is this, right? Like for me, it was like, this is the, I mean, <laughs> not that I was exploring anything as like, you know, as like a suburban white boy. I was like learning about the roots of the ska music. I <laughs> on like, <Yeah. laughs> on like angel fire websites. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what was this? What was it for? Was it like, what era was it? Was it, it wasn't quite Tumblr era. It's no, it's pre Tumblr. It was kind of like message boards. Like, um, okay. Like I was on message boards for bands. I liked, and sure, sure, I guess sure. I like, I don't know. I, I must've like gone down some rabbit holes. I just remember, yeah. It was like eighth or ninth grade, like seeing a picture of a trans boy for the first time, I think, um, like a teenager, another teenager who had like- Just a random picture? picture. Yeah, it was just on some message board. And he was like, this is what I look like. Like I'm trans, um, like pre-everything. Wow. He had like short hair and was like very open. And that I think was like the first time that I understood transness as kind of- um, on a dimension separate from like sexual, not completely separate, but not dependent on sexuality. I think like the narratives that were very common was like trans men are like lesbians that 
are so lesbian that they become men or whatever. Like you can only be into women, you know, if you are a trans man, like you, you transition to become straight basically was like the narrative. Right. right. And this dude was like, yeah, I like, I like guys. And I was like, Whoa, you can do that. Like you can be like gay or bisexual and like be a trans boy, like incredible. Right. Who knew? Um, so yeah, I like, it's so weird that it's like, you know, I just have this like image in my mind of this like kid and it's like, I have no idea like who he is or like, I hope he's doing yeah. great. But like that. Right. That's so sweet that like he, yeah, without even knowing it was just a, like a beacon for you. Yeah, totally. What other little micro changes are there? You mentioned like testosterone or maybe is it, is it just? tea or are there other hormones no i mean they... i did oh yeah for hormones it's just tea it's just one one okay. and done for, okay um, but are there other you were there not like necessarily medical stuff but you mentioned like there are other little moments within there yeah i mean i mean like surgery is a big one i had top surgery sure. in 2020 right i got in right under the wire before they delayed everything for covid so it was like a bigger one and like a hard one you know one of those things where it's like traumatic like in the moment you know but then you like get to the other side and it's like oh my god what a relief like yeah <laughs> finally um but it's hard it's like a big thing and you don't know what it's gonna feel like until you do it right right and I'm sure there's like on some level also like a fear of that's the fucking, you know, from talking to like, I mean, the the one sort of close trans friend that I have, like just realizing like how, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious once you see it, but like that liberation is like liberation for everybody. And that like transcending a binary is so good for fucking everybody, but to yeah. like, but also so to see that in people's stories that, that like someone might have trepidation about top surgery and that doesn't mean it's wrong for them. It just means that it's fucking complicated. Totally. Totally. And I think like, even if you decide that you kind of, want to undo parts of it or like go back on like some things that you did in transition. I think that, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was wrong for you, like in the moment, like, right. I think like you should be able to change your body as many times as you want, like to whatever you think will make you most comfortable. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard. It was like definitely scary to be like, well, I just go into this like medical office one day and it's just like all done in one day. Right. And right. that's it, you know? Um, and there's like, they, it's funny. They, they gave me this like chart that they give to all their patients. So the, the doctor I went to, he does like other plastic surgery for like all kinds of people, you know, plenty of cis people. Um, and there's just this chart that's like, here's what your mood will look like after the surgery. And there's this like plummet on the graph of like, you're going to feel like shit, like two or three oh. days. And that's literally just your body being like, I'm severely injured. Like yeah, <laughs> something yeah, is yeah, very yeah. wrong. <laughs> that's literally all it is. But I like felt it and was like, you know, having a hard time and, and 
my boyfriend and my, my best friend was like kind of visiting to like help out after and they were both like, just like the trough, the trough. Like, you know, we saw this. Yeah, we were warned. Yeah, we knew yeah. this would happen. And right. that was like reassuring for sure that like any kind of like big surgery like that is going to be rough physically and psychologically because it's all, you know, interlinked. Um, so it definitely took a, a while to like feel totally awesome about it. But once that like passed, it was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> this is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have one la- unless there's something about that that we haven't that we haven't completely cleared. Is there some aspect of this sort of coma experience that that needs to be further explored? Um I don't know. I guess like the timing of it is interesting cuz like COVID happened right after like right as I was starting to like be healed up everything just shut down so I had this delay of kind of like being in the world like in in my gender as it were um and so like last God, summer that's crazy too oh, yeah, sorry, go really ahead. Weird. No, I, I have a good. thought on that but I want to hear last summer yeah so last summer I started like it was like in that like kind of weird window where everything kind of seemed mm-hmm. like it was going to be okay. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, we, you know, we're vaccinated. We can travel. Yeah. We can like have fun. Um, I like went to a couple weddings and like saw some friends and realized that I was passing, which I had never expected to do. Like strangers were kind of defaulting to using he, him for me. Um, and I'm like five, two and like, <laughs> you know, curvy ish um Mm -hmm. maybe less so less so now maybe it's just like one curve now um but (laughs) that was just like not something it it wasn't a goal I had it wasn't something that I ever like expected to be part of how I related to the world I just always thought I'd be kind of like a a weird little dude that you know (laughs) I could explain myself but no one would ever like most people would not really believe me um and then for to like be perceived in that way kind of broadly was like a shock and like interesting kind of, I mean I'm like there's a lot about me that's still like pretty clocky like I think when I start speaking some people are like wait a second but um but yeah that was just like another kind of like wave in this ongoing transformation that was yeah. really fascinating well it's it's funny it's like the opposite of what I was going to say when you're talking about COVID because I can't well from a very different angle can very much relate to this idea of wanting to like transcend the body being some sort of being of pure light and energy. And, you know, uh, because I've, you know, kind of in therapy, like the shit that I've been facing is realizing how much of like a head guy I am and being like still an emotional person and at least like educated enough to, to I know I know what it sounds like to be a present person, you know? Like I could fake as if I'm more present in the moment than I am, but oh boy, do I just like not want to exist in a body sometimes? Does it feel yeah. like a burden? And this is not from a gendered angle. It's just like you know, yeah, and 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 so so much of this pandemic for me has been like e- feeling even more disembodied 
to just be like, well, there's nothing to do but plop this thing on the chair and and make playlists or watch TV. So so you so you're having like, you know, being out in the world and like passing is whether correctly or incorrectly, like an embodying experience, you know, that's like opposite of what it feels like. But I can imagine that that also complicated recovering from surgery in the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Life's just complicated, man. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. And I feel like our like American culture is not very friendly to like peaceful, healthy embodiment in general. Like, Oh yeah. There's this like sense of there's this like Cartesian split of like, there's the mind and then there's the body and they're different. And like, you have to, you know, ha- make the body like submit to the well of the mind or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. mind over matter. And that just like, doesn't work. It like, it does not lead to good things in my experience. Like, the only way I've been able to go is to try to get this kind of mutually reinforcing feedback loop to try to like heal that bridge a little bit, um, heal that divide to like think of my mind as like part of my body and vice versa and like kind of be in relationship with both in a way that um, doesn't, doesn't split them so much, but it's hard. That is the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Sasha for being on the show. Please go to SashaGeffen.com to check out Sasha's book and their podcast. I highly recommend the podcast. It's it's like 30-minute episodes, super easy to get into. I, I, I hope you enjoy them. Go to my website, ThisIsDaveMar.com to check out my things. Go to Patreon.com slash DaveMar to support the show. And... That is it. Until next week, remember, you are a mist. You can do them. Have faith. You are human. Only human. And human beings, they do.